0: hi everyone Uh, welcome to another episode of my podcast Uh, this is the first uh, episode for 2021 we have a very special guest today joining all the way from adelaide uh, australia we got money lashes of the babes hi money
1: (laughs) hello thanks for having me
0: yeah how are you doing
1: Quite well, thanks. Uh, we're pretty lucky down here in Australia. How about you?
0: I'm good, also. Uh, so, how how's the situation in your in your place with the COVID and everything?
1: Um. So we uh, we live in South Australia. So we're probably one of the luckiest places in the world right now because we have, I think, zero cases of COVID and there's no restrictions really left in place. So. Uh, life is pretty much normal apart from the fact that we can't leave our state or go to any other country right. so that that sucks but um yeah we're pretty lucky in comparison to other places in the world
0: right uh Monique, can you tell me a little bit about your city
1: um our city so we're from adelaide which is um it's a it's a relatively small capital city of australia but um it's got a bit of a country town feel to it. Um, I think there's uh, just under two million people that live here. Hmm. It's it's a very nice place to grow up as a kid and you know make friends. But um, yeah, I mean we love it here, but we just can't wait to get out on tour again and leave the state and country as soon as we can.
0: Right. So when did you last uh, when did you last uh, played live?
1: Our last show was actually in February 2020 Whoa. in um, Osaka in Japan at the Hard Rock Cafe. So it's almost been a year since we've performed live, which is crazy for us because right. we've, had, we've had a very busy last couple of years. Um, but having said that, we're pretty lucky that we snuck that tour in because that was, um, that was a great tour for us, we played a couple of shows in Tokyo. With um, a Swedish band called Bullet, which was awesome because they're a great, great rock and roll band. Right. Um, and then we played the Hard Rock Cafe, and Hard Rock Cafe or stuff is actually closed down now, so we were the last band to play there live, which is crazy to us because you know a year ago things were very different to what they are now.
0: Right. Uh, I was I was watching this interview uh, or on on you on YouTube where this Japanese lady was interviewing you. And I noticed that you and your sister was actually speaking in Japanese, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, not very well, but we were speaking in Japanese.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how did you learn yeah, Japanese? Um,
1: oh yeah, my sister and I, and also my brothers in the band as well. Um, we all studied Japanese at school growing up. Um, my sister and I chose to continue it through high school, and then I did it at university. But I'm still nowhere near good enough to speak it fluently but um each time we've been to japan i've been to japan three times now right um two with the band so each time we go there we get to meet really great people in the crowds and um they're really excited that when we try to speak japanese even though it's terrible but we, we try and I'm, I'm actually more confident in writing japanese so if anyone asks for autographs i always write their name in japanese and a I think it blows their mind just a little bit. <laughs> but,
2: right.
1: Yeah, we're not, we're not proficient and fluent. I wish we were, because I love Japan.
0: Right, right. <clears throat> so, uh, so Modi, what you've been doing during the lockdown, while there's no uh, live performances, what you've been up to?
1: Um, so, since we pretty much landed back in February last year, we, um that's when, the whole coronavirus really hit when we landed back in Australia it was pretty much within two days the world was in chaos
2: right. so
1: um, we kind of had a chat between us in the band um, and just thought what are we going to do we're not going to be able to tour we don't want to lose all of our momentum because we just last year we did I think two or three international tours so we didn't want to lose all of that effort we put in so we figured because we can't tour we'll um, write the new album so we've been working really hard And we've got um, pretty much a new album ready to record. I've been actually, the room I'm in, I built this um, during the lockdown. It's a recording studio. So in case the lockdown gets extended or um, we're not allowed to leave for another year, at least we can record the whole album here and uh, get it rolling. Because, you know, we've, we've worked hard on these songs and we're really proud. So we can't wait to hear them as a final product.
2: Right, right.
1: <clears throat> so Moni, can you tell me a little bit about
0: your childhood and then how did you get into music?
1: Yeah, so um, I'm the eldest in out of my brother and sister. So they're both in the band. So Corey is the bass player. He's our little brother, even right. though he's like six foot four. <laughs> and um, my sister Donna is the lead guitarist and she's the middle child and she's about six foot one. So I'm the shorty, even though I'm the oldest. Um, but we grew up in a really close family you know we um my best friends and my brother and my sister and from like a very young age our dad and mom always had music playing dad's actually a drummer from back in the day so um i just remember like some of my favorite childhood memories involved dad had a little electronic kit because he had to um get rid of his elect a real drum kit um in order to get a house for our family so we had electronic drums and donna and corey probably like I don't know two years old and maybe four years old and I was like six or seven and I just remember playing the electric drums playing along to Elvis on TV and you know Kiss would come on and we'd play along to that so yeah that's that's where it probably started for me with drums. Mm. Um, Donna always kind of leaned towards guitar more so when she was like maybe 10 or 11 she started having lessons um, but Corey was never really musical like our bass player brother was like much more of a sporty guy. So he always focused on the sports, really good at soccer, really mm. good at karate and stuff. But, um, yeah, and we just, like, Donna and I grew up jamming together. We um, Our first ever gig was our dad's 40th birthday. Uh, we only knew one song, <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't even a whole song. It was one verse of That's a Amore by Dean Martin. <laughs> and we played that probably, like, 30 or 40 times in a row until we realized that there was no longer any family members watching us. They'd all legged it inside. (laughs) But um, yeah, that's one of the the first times that we ever played anything in front of other people. And from there, it's just kind of steamrolled out of control now, you know, Um, we've had a couple of lineup changes. We had um, different bass players and singers, but um, as a result of that, you know, We asked our brother, like, do you think you could learn bass and join our band? And he was always our roadie and helping us out anyway. So he's like, yeah, I don't see why not. (laughs) Next thing you know, we're like touring America and Japan with him. And, you know, he's only played bass for maybe two and a half, three years now.
0: Right, right. So uh, growing up, what were your like uh, favorite music?
1: Um, so my personal favourite band of all time is KISS.
2: Right.
1: <laughs> just because, like, I've thrown up of it. Um, and I just love the drummers, really. Like, you know, every era of KISS, I respected the drummers. Everyone brought their own little spin on it. Um, right. But, you know, like we came from a very uh, ranging upbringing of music. So I love listening to Elvis. I love listening to Ted Nugent. It's <laughs> like... I listen to lots of R&B as well because I think it's got great drums and great bass sounds in it. So it's a real variety for me. There's probably no two days where I listen to the same bands or songs because my playlist must just be one big random mess.
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) So um, what was fascinating about Kiss for you?
1: I think for me, it was the fact that they didn't hide the drummer in the back. He was always like something interesting to look at. He had his own drum riser or he had, um, you know, an elevating drum riser or just smoke and just craziness instead of just being the guy at the back. Cause you know, at school I played in concert bands and orchestras and uh, I was always hidden at the back which is fine, but like you go from that to seeing, you know, Peter Chris. Destroying his drum kit at the end, and you know Eric, even Eric Singer in Lady Kiss years, just doing epic stuff with stick tricks. Um, it just kind of blew my mind. And then like further to that, when I saw Tommy Lee with his um, you know, roller coaster kit and just like the the revolving roll cage kit. I think right. it was like eighty, I don't know, eighty four or something. Right. Um, that was crazy to me. I just want to do something like that so badly. <laughs> That's pretty much why I've like. My version of that is putting the motorbike on my drum kit um, right. when you go on tour. So I have a Harley-Davidson that attaches to the front of my drum kit and the wheel spins and I've got an exhaust pipe that blows smoke and um, the, even the headlight works on the front of the fork of the Harley. So that's my version of making a, a point on stage.
0: <laughs> right. Whose idea was that to, I mean, build that... Uh- incorporate highly into the drum kit because I that's the first time I saw somebody having that sort of a setup.
1: I saw um I saw one of my one of my idols is a lady called Roxy Petrucci and she played with Vixen but before Vixen um, she played in a band with her sister called Madame X and um, they actually had Sebastian Bach as one of their singers for the like right. the first line but when I saw her, she had um, just the handlebars attached to her drum. There was nothing else at the time. And I thought, "Well, that's that's epic. But I'm going to take it one step further and I'm going to make the wheel spin. And so my dad actually like fabricated that motorbike um, and put like a working motor in it so that the, the wheel can spin at different speeds and different songs. Um, so, yeah, I I just like Harleys. I just like all this kind of American biker stuff. I love hot rods and classic muscle cars. So when we write the songs, that's pretty much what our songs are about, you know, (laughs) riding motorbikes and going in American deserts. Like even this room, even though we're in Australia, I just wanted to make this room feel like when we were on tour in the States, um, we really loved being up in South Dakota and all the bars and clubs that we went to were all wood finish and, you know, classic Americana. So I just figured if we made our recording studio like that, maybe we'd get, some you know inspiration and have some fun times in here.
0: Right. <clears throat> so how's the scene in um, Adelaide where you you grow up? How is the scene there for rock rock scene?
1: Um, being such a you know a, a relatively small city, it's got a small population and um there's there are quite a few um, live venues before COVID, but um it's it's a difficult market here because it's hard to get people to come out of their houses because we've got, you know, we're so far spread apart. It's quite like a country town. If right. um, you want to play a show in the city, it's very inconvenient for people to get to some of our gigs. So um, we try and do less gigs in Adelaide, but when we do, we promote and hype it so that we get big crowds there and make make it count. So we we haven't played in our home city since August 2019, so the next time we do it, we think it's going to be a great show, and hopefully we get a big turnout.
0: Right. <clears throat> so Moni, if you have to choose, uh, who is your like top five drummers?
1: Hmm. Top five. It pretty much changes every day. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'll just I'll I'll spout out five. It's not in any particular order. So there's Tommy Lee for mm-hmm. the showmanship. There's John Bonham, which every drummer says, just because he's like a pioneer in some aspects of drumming. Right. Um, Buddy Rich, because he had so much power. He's like an old jazz and big band drummer. He has so much power, even though he was, you know, uh, relatively relatively early pioneer for using rudiments and things in drum solos. It's really, really cool to grow up watching that. My dad used to show me videos and There's no way I'll ever be a quarter as good as he is. (laughs) But um, it's just something good to aspire to when you watch drummers like that. Um, Who else? I like Roxy Petrucci, as I said before, because she um, was, you know, she doesn't play like a girl Mm. and that's not like an offensive thing. I just, when I watch someone play drums, I want to see them hit it and she hits it. And it's not like, oh, she's good for a girl. Uh, I think she's great for a drummer <laughs> and is that three or four i should be able to count to 4 i'm a drummer i think that's four, <laughs> yeah, four. <laughs> so one more one more great drummer that i love you know what alex van halen because he um his drum sound his snare drum sound is pretty much what i try and replicate so i don't know if you can see it but around here mm. oh, there, there we go that's my snare drum and it's a march snare drum so it's about 14 by 13 inches deep and uh it's unheard of in rock music because it's very hard to tune um but it sounds like a cannon when i hit it and the reason i wanted that is because alex van halen um has a very similar sounding snare drum in some of the earlier albums so yeah that's probably my five
0: (laughs) right (laughs) so was the babes your first band or you had bands before that
1: Um, I played in school bands just you know I went to an all-girls school for my middle school year so I was like the first drummer there and they Mm. weren't used to having a drummer so they threw a whole bunch of um, orchestral kind of stuff at us to play and that was great like at the time I didn't like it but you know in hindsight it really made me a better drummer because it taught me discipline and uh, I, I, I read drum charts and everything like that so you know it was great practice but uh then I did join like a local punk band <laughs> when I was maybe oh maybe maybe like
2: 1920
1: right and uh we were, uh, we were pretty okay <laughs> I'll give it that it was fun I was the only girl in the band and it was three other guys and we had some fun times but um yeah then I decided to start my own band and here we are <laughs>
0: <laughs> so um why did you decided to name the band the Babes?
1: <laughs> so with our band, so Donna and I um, saw the movie The Runaways, the recent right. one, or not recent anymore, maybe like ten years now. But when that came out, I went with Donna to the movies, and we kind of looked at each other. we like, "Why don't we just do it? Why don't we just start a band? You know, like there's no reason. We have, um, you know, we can give it a go. We saw Joan Jett, we saw Lita Ford, and uh, so we tried, and we you know we've had some fun times already but um the reason we called it the babes was we grew up watching like 70s gang movies you know like the warriors and Rumble in the bronx and all like a bronx tale i mean sorry um it's like those kind of movies where they've got the vests and they've got the name on the like the patches on the back and they ride motorbikes or they're just right. doing gnarly stuff and they've always got like a cool name like you know the warriors or um you know just the, you know, riffs and everything like that. So we're like, okay, well, we're going to have only us two girls and two guys. We don't want any other girls in the band because girls are trouble. (laughs) (laughs) So um, we're like, well, you need to have two dudes who are like hotties or babes. So we just figured that we'd make it like a gang of like trying to make the dudes babes as well. And uh, since then it's been like, we couldn't believe there was no other band that had it. So we like trademarked it. (laughs) And, you know, we heard similar stories about the band, The Killers. You know, they're, they're a relatively recent band in, in, you know, in the scheme of things. And they couldn't believe it when no one had actually used the name The Killers before. Right. So we're a bit lucky with the babes as well.
0: <laughs> right. So, so the lineup, uh, can you tell me the lineup again of the band?
1: Yeah, so when it first started, it was um, Donna and I. And uh, we auditioned, uh, we put posters up, flyers up everywhere around our city trying to find a bass player and a singer. Um, but we wanted to make a point of not mentioning that we're girls because we didn't want to attract certain types of people to come for auditions. We wanted people to come to auditions because they liked the bands that we listed on their flyer or right. they just generally, genuinely wanted to be in the band. So um, we put a photo of Motley Crue up on this flyer and said, do you look like this or do you like sounding like this? Um, give this number a call. Um, we also mentioned Kiss as an essential band to like. <laughs> right. And um, we got a couple of phone calls. One guy came and he um, auditioned for bass, and he couldn't believe that there were girls, but he seemed pretty cool. And you know, he joined the band as a bass player. He became our singer a little while later. We had like a bit of a crisscross around for a while, um, and you know, like we we had a couple lineup changes, a couple couple singers, mm. and. The singer we currently have now, JD, um, he's like a brother to us, but he actually auditioned in that first round and uh, he was like the nicest dude out of the whole bunch, but he was also a pro wrestler at the time, (laughs) so he was a full-time wrestler and I just thought to myself, he's not going to be able to commit to us. You know, we want to do a practice every week. Um, He's got wrestling every night. Um, But little did I know that that very next week he uh, went off and started having proper singing lessons for the next six years. And uh, it just happened to be that um, he was singing in a local Guns N' Roses tribute show uh, about three years ago. And I saw a video of it. I'm like, who is this guy? He's got a great voice. And then Donna and um, our bass player were like, that's JD. He's the one who auditioned for us like six, seven years ago and we needed a singer because our singer had left at that time. So we, I just sent him a message. I'm like, hey man, you know, I saw you singing in the Guns N' Roses tribute show. If, you know, we haven't got a singer at the moment. Would you like to give it a try? And obviously he jumped on board and things have been like glue ever since. But it was pretty much because of that audition where we said, "No, nah, it's not gonna work out because of his schedule that he went and had lessons. And it's just like funny how it all worked out. It just was meant to be for us, I think.
2: Right.
0: Right. <clears throat> so, uh, your debut, uh, you had your debut EP <laughs> EP, uh, EP, uh or album, it's called rock and roll gang, right? So what is this rock and roll gang?
1: <laughs> so rock and roll gang is like, um, we, the people who follow our band, we're super lucky to have them. They're, they're real diehard fans and diehard supporters who just love rock and roll. And, um, They've got our backs no matter what and we've got their backs no matter what. So I wrote the song Rock and Roll Gang and um, pretty much like it's the unofficial official fan club of our band. So once you join the Rock and Roll Gang, you know, you get um, you're in it for life. You've got someone who's going to have your back forever. And that's like kind of a testament because I'm obsessed with Twisted Sister. So like I just get the, like, the vibe whenever I watch Twisted Sister, I just know that D's got my back. So it's like that working class rock and roll. And that's like what our band is so adamant on, you know, promoting is like underdog, working class, nothing pretentious rock and roll. <laughs> but um, yeah, we've, we've, uh, we've had some like lifelong rock and roll gang members, you know, they, they like fly around the world to come see us. Like someone came from Japan to come watch us and, you know, people come into state to watch all of our shows, it's, it blows our mind. But we, we, we just love them so much. So we're just really lucky to have anyone who likes our music, let alone a rock and roll gang.
0: Right. <clears throat> so how how was the feeling when you were able to actually go and tour in the US? Because you're so fan of Americana. So yeah. actually be able to play in... I, I know that you guys even play in Whiskey A Go Go, right?
1: Yeah, that whole American tour is like a dream. If we didn't have video footage, I don't think I'd believe that it actually happened. Because <laughs> uh, we we had only been our lineup with you know with JD and our brother Corey, we'd only been in a lineup for like six months at the time that we got booked for those Whiskey A Go Go shows. So all of a sudden, we're flying on the other side of the world to play two sold out shows at the Whiskey A Go Go, and, Go-Go. and um, so yeah, I remember just being backstage at the Whiskey. Before we played, and you know, LA Guns, because we, we were opening up for LA Guns, and they just walked past. And um, one of, I think it was um, Phil Lewis, he just stops Donna. He's like, "Hey, are you Donna D from the Babes?" And like, we're just like, our mind was blown. <laughs> it's like, how the hell do you know who we are? We're meant to say who you are. Um, so that probably made us a million times more nervous to play. <laughs> but uh, then we played, and it was like, you know, as I said, if there was no video footage of it, then I wouldn't believe it. But um, we were so lucky because then we played in Vegas as well. We got to play at Counts Vamped, which is pretty much the coolest venue I've ever been to in my life. It's just got, you know, a motorbike hanging from the bar. And, right. you know, it, it's on that TV show called Counting Cars. So it's like it's everything up right up my alley. And we got to play there. And um, we even got to go on like Las Vegas morning TV, which is um, you know it's like 2 million people watch it every morning. And then all of a sudden our little old rock roll band is on there performing so yeah that 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 was just crazy to us um being there and then like that wasn't even the highlight the highlight for us was going up to um South Dakota where there's like a Sturgis motorcycle rally and there's like 500,000 people all bikers with all their great Harley's, all their Indian motorbikes up there um and they're just there for like 10 11 days just to hear rock and roll so it's you know, there's no better place in the world for our band than Sturgis. Um, so, yeah, we played at Full Throttle Saloon, which is the world's biggest biker bar. And yeah, that was, yeah, a pinch yourself moment for sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so how, how's that compared to, uh, like, how's Japan playing in Japan, like compared to US or playing in Australia? How's the Japanese fans?
1: So different in, in like so many good different ways. So. The whole going to Japan and playing is was so surreal to us because they're a different kind of fan base altogether. They are so committed and right. um, they're just so actively interested. It's in, in Australia, um, sometimes you play shows where people will stand back from the stage. it will still be a great crowd, but they're a bit more hesitant to come to the front. You have to really pull them in. It's like JD's job to bring them in. And he does, but in Japan, they line up for like hours before we start playing, and they're at the front, and they are headbanging the entire set from start to finish. And what it does is it makes us have to exceed what we are doing because we can't have them in the crowd outdoing our energy levels. So it brings out the best of us, and um, it just it just guarantees an epic night because they're just such diehard rock and rollers in Japan, you know. And they just the rock and roll gang that, that a chapter in Tokyo that we've got. I just they're so amazing. <laughs> they they want to like you know have photos with us and you know they just they can't believe that we're there and we can't believe that they're there. So Japan's like a very different experience. It's very much like the Runaways movie when um, the Runaways go to to Tokyo and it's just like a bombardment of people. I don't know how we got it, but we get it sometimes when we're there. And yeah, we just feel like Japan's becoming our home away from home. They're already talking about another tour there. Um, so we're 100% on board for
0: that. Right. So you were, you actually played open, supported a lot of bands like Elegance and Sebastian Bach. And also, uh, how was that you you've being a KISS fan, uh, being able to open for Ace Friendly?
2: <laughs> that
1: was crazy. Even crazier for Donna, because Donna's like a massive KISS fan, but she's like an Ace huge KISS fan. So right. um, that was our first ever supporting gig of a like a main headliner as well. So we were really felt like out of our element, but um, it was really a great experience. It was a sold out show in our hometown. So it doesn't get much better than that. Um, but it was crazy cause I had just, I had done my world record like a month and a half earlier before that show. And we're setting up and loading in, you know, staying in the corner where the opening band belongs. And then all of a sudden, Ace's backing band comes in, and Richie Scarlett, who was his guitarist at the time, says, "Hey, aren't you Monty Lashes? Didn't you just set a world record?" And it like completely made my like head pop that way. <laughs> so yeah, I was I was uh, blown away. He's like, "Come outside, have a smoke with me." I'm like, "I don't smoke, but I'm coming out with you." So <laughs> yeah, that, that was a great show. We've had we've been really really lucky to. Um, open up and warm up crowds for like some really great bands and they've usually been bands that you know we've grown up idolizing so we can't get much uh, happier than that
0: yeah <clears throat> so you mentioned your world record so the world record is you you drum for 24 hours straight right
1: yeah i just said uh, like a new record where i didn't have any breaks whatsoever i didn't drink didn't like eat didn't have any toilet breaks um and I was doing it because um, our dad had multiple sclerosis. So that's right. like an a autoimmune condition. And uh, we were trying to fundraise money because he had um, medical treatment coming up, which we just couldn't afford at the time. So um, my sister and brother were holding fundraisers of their own kind and they were really successful. But I hadn't done one yet. So I'm like, oh, I need to pull my weight because, you know, <laughs> eldest sibling, I should think of something. Like, how can I help? And the only thing I could think of was drumming, you know, it's what he, what, what Dad had taught me. And um, if I had seen someone in the streets playing for 24 hours, you know, I'd go and chuck them 50 cents or a dollar, you know, if, mm. if it helps. So um, yeah, I set up in our, in our capital city in the, in the main shopping district called Rundle Mall. And uh, it was outside, so if it rained, it rained. If it was hot, it was hot. <laughs> and I started playing at 2 p.m. on a Friday. Right. And I finished at 2 p.m. on a Saturday. And yeah, we raised in that 24 hours $11,000. And wow. I was aiming for 200 So
2: <laughs> that was great.
0: <laughs> yeah, I saw that video actually because you have that on, on YouTube, right? The video of that.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so you didn't
1: take any breaks, right? There's a <laughs> uh, no breaks, no breaks. There's a point in that video, it's like a highlight video for anyone who wants to watch it, but about... I think it's like 1.30 in the morning. Right. I start yawning while I'm playing and I'm really starting to feel it because I didn't intend on um, going the whole way through. The actual world record right. allows you to have a five-minute break every hour. You accumulate a five-minute break every hour. But the, like I got 12 hours in and I'm like, well, I haven't had a break yet. I might as well just keep going now. And then you know, next thing I know it is 24 hours and no breaks. <laughs>
0: Right, right. <clears throat> because i I saw that when you completed it, uh, complete the twenty four hours, you were like so weak, right? You felt like
1: <laughs> yeah. I was so tired, and right. um, I tried to stand up, but my legs were jelly, so I had to like lean back on my drums. lucky, my yeah. dad and husband were there to pick me up. but um, yeah, it, I actually thought that I'd have more pain in my wrists and um my back, but I, I didn't. The only thing that I had was I lost my voice somehow. <laughs> I, I wasn't, I wasn't talking a lot or anything, but I think it was cause it was so cold at nighttime. I just lost right. my voice. And I also did something to my foot because I think I've like burst a blood vessel or something. It was all black and bruised in my bass drum foot. But um, that went away. So it wasn't too bad.
0: <laughs> right. Right. <clears throat> um, w- one thing that, I mean, you also like, what I also like is the, uh, you know the Harley's, the muscle cars, the bars, and all this American sort of blues like lifestyle. So, but what's happening right now is sort of these things are slowly going away, right? So, because all these other sort of cultures know. are taking over. What are your thoughts on that? I
1: think it's I think it's disappointing because um, there's so much style. It's not about so much the speed of the cars or the, you know, the motorbikes or anything like that. I think it's it's like a representation of an era of like a good time rock and roll party era. Right. And I think if that keeps disappearing, that's gonna, you know, I don't know. I just feel like there's nothing sexy about new cars. Right. <laughs> the sexy old cars have a certain shape. They have a certain rumble in the exhaust, in the cam, in the engine. I don't, in a hybrid, I don't hear it. I can't hear the engine in electric cars. So I can't get that feeling. And right. it's, you know, it's not made out of, you know, a Cad- like it's a Cadillac and it's a solid steel car. And then you drive, you know, something that's a bit more plastic. It doesn't have the same feel. It's great for safety and it's great for the environment, which is a plus, but I just don't get the same vibe from it. I, I don't want to go and write a song. Or play guitar after seeing a Prius. (laughs) I want to go and write a song after I feel the like Harley right in my gut, the like rumble going past. It makes me want to write a song about it.
0: Yeah, I also really like these shows that you have like in the History Channel like you know where they restore these old stuff and they find like the Pickers or the American Restoration. Uh, I believe you're also a fan of those shows, Uh, right? (laughs)
1: Well, absolutely that's all that's on my TV all the time. <laughs> we um my husband actually like restores cars in his spare time. So he's got a Cadillac, he's got an Oldsmobile, he's got what else he got? Oh, he's just he's got Valiance, like I don't know if you know much about Valiance, that's more an Australian classic muscle car. So right. you know, our band car was the Chrysler Valiant, it's a nineteen seventy-eight CL and uh it's uh, not the most reliable car in
0: the world, but it got us to the shows. Right. Modi, I want to show you something. Um,
1: yeah. So this is my
0: drumsticks collection. <laughs> cool. So uh, every, very good. Yeah, every time I go to shows, whenever I meet the uh, drummer, I try to like get something like from them. Uh, so I have a couple of great drumsticks. The last one I got was from Larry Mullen of U2. That's cool. Yeah, so that I was able to get. So I I really like the drummers because I, I I I go to clinics and stuff as well when whenever there's a clinic although I don't know no, how to play drums.
1: <laughs> I've really got I don't ever have two of the sticks. So I only get one. I'm only lucky enough to get one of their sticks, but your collection is better than mine. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, Um, so uh, this album that you, you actually released the latest album in 2020, right? Uh,
1: We released Dive Bars and Muscle Cars in 2019, um, officially, because we released the CD and the vinyl record, and then we put it on Spotify, later. because we try and promote the physical copies, trying to be a bit more old school. Um, yeah, so technically it was 2019. We did an Australian tour of it in 2019. And uh, then we also, I think we did Japan in 2019. And also we went to Iraq in 2019. That was with the new album when we performed for the troops over there.
0: Right. So can you tell me how this uh, tour to Iraq happened and you played for the troops?
1: Yeah, we... Um, we received a phone call from the defence force, which we thought was a bit of a scam because <laughs> right. like, uh, we like. They said, "Hey, we we really like your band, and we um we we'd like to send you to the Middle East to you know raise the spirits of the soldiers and represent the home country. Um and yeah, we we'll, we'll take care of you. you will have your own security detail, and you know it'll be maybe two three weeks. And so when I got the call, I was like. A bit skeptical because it sounded it sounded like my dream come true <laughs> don't, don't get me wrong but you know we we do get you know some some scam emails every now and then but um yeah it turned out it was legit and we had to go get our vaccinations we had to do lots of preparation lots of medicals lots of training and uh we got sent to sydney first to have some uh training in the defense space And we went with a a bunch of comedians as well, so some Australian comedians who were great. Um, And then next thing, we're in Dubai performing in Dubai for the the, uh, American, the Australian, and a couple of I think Italian and Swedish troops as well. Um, Then just depending on the security of the region at the time. Uh, We were meant to go to Afghanistan. We couldn't go there because of safety reasons. So we went to Iraq, and that was a predominantly American base, but there was lots of Australians and New Zealanders. Mm. And we got to play two shows there as well. And it was in, like, the middle of a war zone. (laughs) So we had bulletproof vests. We had to have our helmets. You know, we couldn't wander freely around the the, uh, Defence Force camp base. Um, But it was absolutely... Uh, money can't buy experience and I would do it again in a heartbeat because we met so many people over there who were just, you know, whatever your political um, sidings are with war and and all that sort of thing, like when you meet the people who were there who were fighting for what they believe, Mm. um, we were more than honored to perform for them and made some lifelong friends from them as well.
0: Right. So um, going there in Iraq and then was your impression of that place change when you actually arrived there because you hear this in the news and like and you're going there and experiencing it did it did it, did it change <laughs>
1: um we didn't cuz because we landed directly in the base like right. the army base um that was there and we weren't able to freely go around without our security detail with us um, all we saw pretty much was what you see on the news. So right. even the the place that we stayed, like we stayed in story uh, shipping containers that get converted into beds. Um and the place that we stayed at got rocket launched like you know, two weeks right. earlier prior to us getting there. So it was it was real, real risk of danger, but at no time did I feel like immense, you know, terrifying feelings. Or anything like that. I knew we were in good hands, but yeah, I didn't get to. I didn't get to meet locals in Iraq, so we only met soldiers and only stayed within the base um, for our own safety. So yeah, from the vibe I got, it looks pretty much like what you see on the news because it's a pretty uh, violent area. You know, both sides over there.
0: Right, because I I interviewed someone. um before uh, that actually had a show in Afghanistan, the local show, like with the locals. So he said like uh, his yeah. perspective of like war and all this thing that he saw in the news is totally different from when he landed and played with the crowd and with the locals. So it's like totally different <laughs> thing. So it's...
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but it's, I, could
1: been, I think it would be very different if you're in the local, lo- right. local kind of scene, you're playing right. to... to people who you know are based there whereas we were only there just to um lighten the spirits and um bring a bit of home back to the the Australian troops and the allied troops so um yeah I, I bet if you are playing in the like in the actual heart of the city or a local venue um then yeah it would be a def- definitely a different story
0: yeah but it's a great uh, experience and great uh, because this is like what other people has done before right like great artists have gone there even like I think Marilyn Monroe went there before right well,
1: that's, that, that's exactly right because when they approached us and I you know I was running it past Donna and i was running the idea of going to the Middle East again you know past Donna she's like that's what Marilyn Monroe did that's what Elvis did yeah,
2: yeah. right and
1: like, yeah they can't really want us like like surely this is a joke but um yeah so you know there's talks that will be going back one day you know when everything settles down a little bit more um, and and we're, we're 100% on board for that
0: right <clears throat> so, so Moni, what are what's your what's the upcoming plans so i mean you have your studio now set up so what what what's going to happen on the next uh, you know couple of months Well,
1: the studio is probably about 95% finished now so it's been a long process um I started it back in like April, you know, the planning stages and then we started building it and um, now I've just got little, little little jobs here and there to finish it off and then it's full steam ahead recording. Um, hopefully by the time that's done, we might even do some video clips, maybe some live video clips in here. Um, we've never done that before but um, I think that's a good, good avenue, something different for our followers if they're keen on it. They can see us perform a few live tracks in here. And then hopefully by the time the album's done, the world's calmed down a little bit and we'll be able to tour somewhere because we were planning on going to Germany and the UK uh, late last year, but that didn't end up happening, obviously. So, you know, we've got, we've still got so many places we wanna go and so many, you know, cities we wanna play to. So we're just, we're just waiting for that green light and hopefully we'll have an album in our hand, ready to go. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean I hope you can you can like come to Philippines or or Singapore, or this region as well.
1: <laughs> I know we, we definitely wanted to. We were trying to tie it in. I think you remember with our I think our first Japanese tour, we were trying to get to Singapore with you over there, but so just didn't pan out that time, but maybe next time it will. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. <clears throat> so Moni, what's your message to the rock and roll gang and, and people who support you? <laughs>
1: um well from me and the babes we're just so proud to have anyone who um comes on board on our rock and roll gang we love you guys you're there through thick and thin and uh if you've made it this far watching me dribble on thank you (laughs) and uh we hope to see you at the next show whatever city you're in we can't wait to see you guys
0: right uh anybody you want to shout out to
1: i'll shout out to tommy and nick and, and just the rock and roll gang generally and probably i should probably say the band like Joe, jd corey and donna but screw them
0: right i wanted to ask you is jd means jack daniels
1: <laughs> you'd think so but he drinks southern comfort No, nah, it's uh his, it's his initials and that's just his that's what he came up with as his stage name but he's a southern comfort man <laughs>
0: Right. So Moni, this is great that that uh, that great that I was able to talk to you. I really enjoyed the, this discussion. So uh, tell everyone how, how they can follow you and the band.
1: Yeah, well, thank you firstly for having me because I really appreciate getting to chat to you. But um, if, for anyone who's interested in checking out our band, we're on all the social media. Um, all you have to type in is The Babes Rock. So it will be like thebabesrock.com or facebook.com slash the babes rock we're on instagram as well the babes rock <laughs> but yeah just if you type in the babes rock you generally come up with us um right. and yeah we'd love to have you subscribe you know follow us it helps us more than you ever know because yeah social media is a world on its own so the more that we can get you to tune in with us the better it helps our band
0: right <clears throat> so thank you moni uh everyone that's moni lashes from uh, babes <laughs> the babes thank you moni Thanks so much, man. Rock and roll. (laughs)